At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is the Edge here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Great show on tap today. Very excited. 15 minutes from now, ESPN NBA reporter, analyst, insider Brian Windhorse is going to be with us. I'm going to discuss a lot. I uh, made a futures bet today to win the NBA Finals. Get Brian's thoughts on that. The Phoenix Suns continue to rip off wins left and right, look better than they did a season ago, and they made it to the NBA Finals. A season ago. So Brian Windhorst with us 15 minutes from now and uh, 30 minutes from now. Greg Peterson, host of the Greg Peterson Experience at GUnit underscore 81 up on Twitter. Of course, you know that uh, he's going to be with us to discuss uh, the entire card in terms of college hoops. Some big games later today. A uh, big one took a hit, though, uh, with Akbaji not being available for Kansas later today due to COVID. But let's start with uh, the story of the day. Football related. Not Tom Brady. I don't really care about that. He retired. Congratulations. Off into the sunset. We'll see you later. Uh, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56. Wanted to spend a couple of minutes on this, mainly because, and as you know, you've watched this network. I'm sure we've talked about this all day. It's surprising to see that this number continues to climb in favor of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, on Sunday, when the number opened, I, I laid for a three and a half with the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I like the Rams of this match. I think it's very beneficial uh, for Los Angeles overall. But it is surprising. You know, I figured, yeah, lay, lay three and a half and be four and Maybe it just comes back to three and a half, but I thought three and a half was going to be the absolute floor. And just in case it never gets back there late right now, uh, but four and a half getting up to this point with a total of 48 and a half. Why it's surprising is generally right this early on at the Super Bowl. We've talked about this with Matt, right? Nearly, I will call it about 90% of the handle doesn't even come in on the Super Bowl until you get close to kickoff. We're talking like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So generally, uh, the action that you see and the, the influence that you see early on in the two weeks leading up to Super Bowl week are generally sharper, right? The respected betters getting in on these numbers. And the fact that this has moved up to four and a half so early is, I would say, pretty surprising, namely because the Cincinnati Bengals have played extremely well. But also, I didn't realize that the Rams, they were at least that respected. And maybe it's just a matchup thing here. Maybe it's uh, better thinking more home field should be baked into this number. Because remember, the Rams, uh, I think they do have to like stay in a hotel like the week of or the final few days. But generally, in their own city and in their own beds in the weeks leading up and the days leading up. So maybe that's getting baked a little bit into the number here. And the Rams are playing extremely good football, right? I brought this up to humans down the stretch. You look at their last 10 games, right? And two straight up in their last 10 games. Uh, and while they are only 10 and 10 ATS this season, you go back to that win cover over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Since that game, they've only have, they've failed to cover only three times. So like, this is a team that has been playing uh, at its best right down the stretch at times. Um, other times, that guy right there, Matthew Stafford, will turn the ball over and keep teams in some contests. But regardless, I think the Rams are the right side. 
I am somewhat surprised that we're up to four and a half pretty much everywhere that we look and that the total has gone down as much as it has to 48 and a half. So again, right, most of this action is going to come in in the three days leading up to the Super Bowl. We are nowhere near what the final number here is going to be. I would be fascinated if it continues to climb, but I'm going to say right now on Tuesday, February 1st, that four and a half is going to be the peak here for this number. And at some point you see some buyback on the Cincinnati Bengals and that number gets back down to that four range. Does it get to three and a half? Don't know. Uh, but I would say that four and a half is probably the highest we're going to get with this number. But who knows? Play this back when it closes Rams minus six and a half, right? When we get to Super Bowl Sunday and it's a lopsided fair in terms of support for the Rams um, on their home field. With that, basketball-heavy episode today uh, because, again, Windhorse is going to be with us in 15 minutes. We're going to get, like, a, a bigger picture uh, with Brian Windhorse in terms of the NBA. Talk about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, talk about, of course, our quest, never-ending, well, it ends at the end of the year, uh, for Jaron Jackson Jr. to get some love for Defensive Player of the Year and some other things um, big picture-wise for the NBA. But let's discuss the card today because it's a pretty big one, and there are some news and some notes and some moving numbers uh, with some of these games that will be played later tonight, first of which I think the most important one uh, at this point right now uh, is involves a guy that's going to play the Miami Heat taking on the Toronto Raptors. It's a fascinating situation, I think, here because these two teams played over the weekend. It was a triple overtime game in which the Toronto Raptors ended up winning, scoring 124, 124 to 120, if I remember correctly. Now they're running it back here in Toronto. It's the third game of four nights for both of these teams, second leg of a back-to-back. For me, the big difference is here, though, and uh, in the column this morning, bet it this morning at plus three with Miami, and it was a little bit of a gamble. Because this morning, you didn't know if Jimmy Butler was going to be available. Uh, Butler, of course, did not play yesterday due to uh, this toe that he's been dealing with, toe irritation. But kind of gambled on the fact that, you know what, it sounds like if you read some of the quotes, uh, routine, day off, rest, let him take a day off and get ready for the second leg of a back-to-back against another opponent, which would be Toronto. So ultimately, that pays off. Jimmy Butler is going to be available. P.J. Tucker is still questionable here. That's why you saw this line move, open up three, get down to one and a half where we're at right now. But it's also a really unfavorable situation, I think a little bit more so, for Toronto. So as I mentioned, in terms of the back-to-back and three games of four nights, both teams are in the same situation. But if you're looking at Toronto from a rotation standpoint, they're an eight-man group. They rely heavily on their starters. If you go to that triple overtime game, we're talking about the Raptor starters playing at least 54 minutes each against Miami. That was over the weekend. The trio of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Pascal Siakam all played 39 or more minutes last night in Atlanta. And you get Butler taking the day off here for the Miami Heat. So I'm just kind of chalking this up to, look, I think both of these teams may be somewhat fatigued, but the best player for Miami is going to come into this rest of having taken last night off against the Boston Celtics. And it looks like Miami, from a standpoint of at least rest and guys who are not going to be worn down, are in a better situation. Bam Adebayo as well yesterday, uh, getting pulled halfway through the fourth quarter because the Boston Celtics were just absolutely waxing them. So that's something to keep an eye on. The other here is, as we look right now, the San Antonio Spurs up to a five-point favor with a total of 219 and a half. So I was on follow the money earlier this morning and you know, in betting the NBA on a night-to-night basis, you always got to be wary of these back-to-back situations, especially when you have teams and guys who are a little dinged up, right? You know, Steph Curry comes out of the game yesterday and has an incredible fourth quarter, get the win in the cover over the Houston Rockets, but Left hand's a little dinged up, and we know about the little issues that he's had. And Steve Kerr throughout the year has had a penchant for these back-to-backs for resting Steph Curry, right? He's done it a couple of times. And so while there was nothing official out there, you, know, you always want to be a little bit wary about what the injury report is going to bring by the time we get to around 1 o'clock to you know, 12 o'clock Pacific time of who's going to be available and who's not. Lo and behold, it does look like Steph Curry is not going to be available here for the Golden State Warriors against the San Antonio Spurs. So the Spurs up to a five-point favor right now on their home court 
against the Golden State Warriors. Now, as far as the rest of the Warriors go and who's not going to be available, we know that Draymond Green's out, but Nemanja Bielitsa, Bielitsa is out. We know that uh, Clay Thompson is going to rest as well. Andrew Wiggins is not going to play either. So we're talking about the, the solid B squad here for the Golden State Warriors are going to be out against the San Antonio Spurs. So it makes sense why you would go from two and a half in favor of the Golden State Warriors to five in favor of San Antonio. And this is one of those where you could have gambled and said, nah, Steph Curry's going to play and lay it early, but ultimately that gamble would not have paid off. So with that, there's a lot of games on the card that are definitely worth discussing outside of the two that we mentioned. Those are all really big injury notes. I wanted to go to a couple uh, of games that that are worth discussing from a a kind of trend standpoint here. Let's talk to Washington and Milwaukee because the Milwaukee Bucks, it looks like, have some problems. And this is one of the teams we're going to discuss with Brian Windhorst coming up in a couple of minutes. But the Bucks, last time we saw them over the weekend, get trounced by Denver, 136-100. to 100. They were six-and-a-half-point favorites. They're 5-10 and 10 now, ATS, in the month of January. It's February 1st, so now that's all over with. So, you know, a new month maybe brings up the new here for the Milwaukee Bucks. But you look at this in the month of January, whether this is just disinterest in a regular season that is very long for a team that just won a title and they just want to get to the postseason, or whether there's real issues here for Milwaukee, just a plus 1.1 net rating per 100 possessions, 15th in both offense and defensive efficiency in the month of January. It's just been a very ick month of January for Milwaukee. And so you look at a game like this, where they're 11 point favorite with a total of 230 against the Washington Wizards team that is not going to have Bradley Beal today, that is reportedly uh, fighting amongst themselves uh, very much so to the point where there was one report out there that said Spencer Dinwiddie, they just don't want him on the team anymore. So there's infighting with the Washington Wizards, there's poor play. Over the last 12 games, the Washington Wizards, they are 1-11 against the spread. So this has been a really poor situation for Washington as they head into this matchup as a pretty big favorite. And you look at it from an actual on-court matchup, Milwaukee, third of uh, its attempts at the rim, right? They shoot 69.9%. Nice. With Giannis Antetokounmpo within four feet of the basket, they get up and down the floor. Like, they do a lot of things that would bother the Washington Wizards, but ultimately... It's a Bucs team that has been covering numbers. So I think this is a pretty, I guess, as an 11.5-point favorite, not necessarily a test. But I think if you come out after a 136-100 to 100 loss to the Denver Nuggets at home, and then you're back at home against a Wizards team that has covered one of its last 12 games and is talking about one of its key starters, said, we don't want you on the team anymore, the Bucs might have a few more problems uh, than we initially thought. This total's been bet up from 226 to 230. But to me, this is a really big spot for Milwaukee. It seems like a pretty good spot. If anything, to me, it's play first half, not full game, considering Milwaukee could definitely take the foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter and not care and just try to get out. But I think Milwaukee and what they do tonight against Washington is going to be something to keep an eye on. And uh, last but not least, we'll get to another one if we do have time here, but this is also injury-related. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the Denver Nuggets later tonight. So Minnesota opens up 2.5. Uh, total opens up about 225.5. Now we're up to 4.5 with a total of 229 or 228, uh, depending on where you shot for your numbers. Now, Nikola Jokic is still questionable, and maybe as I'm talking, there has been a report that has come down um, whether or not he's going to play. This market move toward Minnesota is in response to that. But Jokic is questionable to play, and this is big. If Jokic doesn't play, uh, this is going to get, I think, ugly for the Denver Nuggets. If you look at some of these numbers, the team is outscored by 15.4 points every 100 possessions. Uh, That is by far, that's like, it's way worse than the Orlando Magic on the season. It's way worse than the Detroit Pistons. It's way worse than Houston. Uh, They're they're an abhorrent team. 
the uh, Denver Nuggets without Nikola Jokic, but a negative 15.4 net rating without Jokic on the floor, 101.8 points per 100 possessions on offense. Their most frequently used lineup without Jokic on the floor has a negative 24.8 net rating. So if that guy right there is not going to play tonight, would not be surprised once it's officially announced, this thing gets up to about six and a half or seven or so. But remember, Minnesota has their own issues. So you want to make sure that you get some of these guys out there. While Patrick Beverly has been ruled in, D'Angelo Russell is doubtful to play. And if you watched on Thursday when Minnesota was playing, um, things fell apart in a big way for the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, when they were taking on the Golden State Warriors Thursday. And D'Angelo Russell uh, was ultimately not available in that contest, too. So, all right, with that, we have plenty left to get to, too, here on the edge. I uh, want to remind you as well, too, and there's the number right there, four and a half with a total of 229. And I would expect, like I said, not only to get to six and a half, uh, but the pregame total probably going to move a little bit on as well. Uh, Play Wrangler Squares celebrate their 75th anniversary with a free shot at a share of $75,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash Wrangler Squares now to get in on the action for football's biggest Sunday. Wrangler for the ride of life. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply to DraftKings.com for details. On the other side, a little bit more on the association. Brian Windhorst and 15 minutes from there, Greg Hoops-Peterson on the college basketball card. It is the edge. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. You know the VSIN is the best place to get all the betting insights for the big game. Right now, you can sign up, get our free big game betting guide, digital trend, or digital guide. Gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, tips from our experts. Visit VSIN.com slash Super Bowl. Get your free guide. Get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. We got two weeks to talk about that. Let's get down to a little bit more when it comes to the NBA. Brian Windhorst is nice enough to give us some time today. Uh, analyst for ESPN covers the association. Also host of the Hoop Collective podcast, one of the best NBA podcasts we get out there. Brian, thank you for the time today. Appreciate it. So I uh, wanted to start actually uh, which was one of the focus, uh, the focus of one of your latest podcasts, which is the Phoenix Suns. So I bet them earlier this morning at 7-1 to to win the NBA Finals, and they've been downright dominant. November was incredible. January was also incredible. I'll ask you this. What's the difference between this version of Phoenix and the one last year that made it to the NBA Finals? Well, they're more confident and a little bit more versatile. Um, they, they've, it's not because they necessarily have differences on the roster, but if you watch the way they play, they're just more resilient, particularly defensively. They've just gotten better. They're such a much better defensive team than they were uh, a year ago. And I just think some of it's institutional knowledge. And um, they've, they've improved around the margins. Uh, so 
you know, this year, for example, they, they have a weakness at center because Dario Saric, their guy um, who was their backup, is out for the year with a knee injury. And so they were attached with, to some guys in trade early in the offseason, early in the season, particularly Thad Young, but they didn't make a trade. Instead, they went out and found two guys, one big, Bismack Biombo, and one small, a guy named Ish Wainwright, a former NFL player. And he plays small when they go big. And even though those are two minor things, those have helped them win some games in their current 10-game win streak, those guys playing that way. And now DeAndre Ayton, who's been out for a while with an ankle injury, is coming back. And, look, you have to have health to Chris Paul. And he's shown some fragility, especially in the playoffs, in his career. You know, he had hand injuries, hamstring injuries. So you're never going to know until you know the health of Chris Paul. But if he stays healthy... They look like the team to beat, and they look like they're a more dynamic team than a year ago. Yeah, and they, that kind of leads me to my next question because as you watch them play and you watch the standings evolve, like it looked like it was going to be 1A and 1B with them in Golden State, but it seems to oddly go hand in hand with the first game between them that Golden State lost. Golden State's been in a prolonged slump. Their offense has been inconsistent. There seems to be a, a sizable, not to say sizable, but there's a gap right between Phoenix and the rest of the Western Conference at this point, however much you want to size it. They seem to be a little bit above the rest of the teams. Well, if Draymond Green is out, um, I, this, I think the Suns are the clear favorite um, to win the West. And so today we have an update on Draymond Green, and I don't know what to make of it yet. When Draymond Green first went out, they said he would do physical therapy for two weeks and then be reevaluated. Two weeks came and went. Now we're three weeks. He's missed 12 games. Um, the Warriors have gone up and down in that stretch. Um, and they said today that he is going, he is responding, or he didn't say that. They said he's improving, which, you know, that's in the eye of the beholder. And that they're going to check, you're going to give an update in three more weeks. To me, that's not necessarily good news. A guy who they said was going to be out two weeks is now looking at being out at least six weeks, and he's not probably coming back until after the All-Star break. But if they feel like he's going to be healthy, then, you know, that makes, you know, if he's responding to the treatment, then that makes the, uh, you know, a good thing. The problem is my trust level with the Warriors publicly is very low right now with injuries because James Wiseman, who had surgery last year for a knee injury, had a follow-up surgery in December, and the Warriors never said anything about it. And it took a reporter at The Athletic to report on it. And to me, that's extremely disingenuous and not becoming of the Warriors organization to not be forthcoming about a surgery. It's one thing if a guy has a setback, but to not announce a surgery, I don't like that. And so maybe what they're saying with Draymond Green is 100% true. But because they weren't truthful on Wiseman, it makes me wonder about Draymond Green. Yep, and I just retweeted that up uh, on Twitter. Me, JVT, the Warriors PR announcement on Draymond Green's injury came down about 22 minutes ago. So we'll see again, reevaluated again prior to the All-Star break. Brian Windhorst with us, host of the Hoop Collective podcast, ESPN NBA analyst. All right, so that's a natural jumping off point. One of the topics I wanted to discuss with you uh, was Defensive Player of the Year. And it's early, we talk about awards, but the reason why I wanted to bring it up with you is because here at the network, right, you can bet on these things. And uh, about two weeks ago, I, I had a long shot, 301 on Jaron Jackson Jr. to win Defensive Player of the Year. And he's been a fast riser. He's up to 20 to one 
to win the award. And I think this race is fascinating for multiple reasons. One, because I have skin in it. Uh, but the other is because Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert are the two favorites to win this award, and they are both injured. And we just got this update on Draymond. Uh, in your mind, when it comes to Defensive Player of the Year, it's a two-part question. Is this an award that you need to have these games played like an MVP type, or is it kind of like Rookie of the Year where you're so impactful over short stretch you can still win it? And the other is on that case, Jaron Jackson Jr. being the hot commodity here in the betting market. What do you make of something like that? Well, I think that's – so it's interesting that you bring him up because Jaron Jackson isn't a guy who's ever been in contention for this award in the past. Um, the Grizzlies were absolutely atrocious defensively the first six or eight weeks of the season. I think they were like 28th or 29th. And as they have played better over the last six to eight weeks, they have soared up the rankings. Um, I think they're in about 7th or 8th right now overall in defense. Um, so can the best player – who's never won a defensive player of the year, um, you know, he's never been on the all-defensive team, then the best player on the seventh or eighth defense, the best defensive player, can he win that award? You know, I understand why you uh, saw some value there because you see what's happening with Gobert and you see what's happening um, uh, with Draymond Green. I understand why you saw value there. I, I don't have a good feel for that. I wish I could give you an answer. I think the Mavericks are a team that is defensively um, gotten some some attention recently. The Heat have been playing good defense recently. The Cavaliers, a top three defense, and so some of their players uh, may be considered. But I would say it's a wide open race right now. Um, I would probably, if I if I had to guess today, I don't think Gobert's injury is super serious. So I would say potentially Gobert. But here's the thing: the Jazz haven't been a good defensive team this year. They are nowhere near the same level of defense that they have been the last couple of years. Yep. Again, Rudy Gobert, the second choice on the board, plus 170. The third guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that's where I wanted to go because the Milwaukee Bucks uh, have been um, wildly inconsistent uh, for the last month now. In January, in terms of against the spread, uh, just 5-10 and 10 ATS. They haven't been covering numbers. Uh, Giannis comes out after you know, they get their tails kicked by Cleveland with a bucket of wings and doesn't really seem to matter too much, <laughs> uh, right, uh, like for like the results. So is this just, hey, Ryan, look, we reached the mountain top. We got the title. We know that once we get there, we're likely one of the best, if not the best teams in the Eastern Conference, or do you think there's cause for concern here with Milwaukee? That made me smile so much when he brought that bucket of yep. wings. Um, like all he needed was a, was a Miller, right? If he cracked open a, a Miller light right there, like just for the Milwaukee end to love it, it would have been amazing. Um, uh, you know, this is typical of, of champions. It's one of the things that um, uh, that is you know that happens in the NBA. Champions tend to let their guard down after they win. Um, I remember Pat Riley talking to me about this. For people who go way back to the 80s, not that I'm that old, but Riley made a, 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 new, made a big splash when uh, one year at the championship parade, he guaranteed his team was going to win the title the next year. They ended up winning the title the next year. But the reason that Riley did that wasn't to be arrogant, although, you know, Pat Riley can be arrogant. Um, was because he had won a couple of other titles in his career, and he was tired of his team coming back the next season and not just sort of going through the season as a limp noodle. And so having covered LeBron James, I can tell you that his teams that won the titles, um, they didn't always come back. Uh, you know, they had to sort of get fired up. So I am not worried about the Bucks. Uh, I still think in my mind they are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, especially – with the uncertainty about Ben Simmons and the uncertainty about whether Kyrie Irving can play in all the games, I think the Bucks are the safest bet for right now. Um, 
That said, you can point to some reasons why their play recently has been uneven and um, a little bit disturbing. But um, I still think Giannis, if he's healthy, is a devastating player in a, in a seven-game series. And um, him bringing the, the wings, I think, to the podium was a classic example of where the Bucks' head is right now. I was licking his fingers and everything. It was, it was almost disrespectful, but it was pretty funny. All right, last 60 we got with you. Uh, how worried should we be about the Bulls defensively in a potential slide in the standings to, like, play-in type uh, seating? Well, our computers at ESPN think there's at least, I think, a 18 or 20% chance that they end up with the number seven seed. There's like a 15 to 18% chance they end up with like the number three seed or number two seed. So the short answer is we don't know. Um, you know, when you're talking about their, their two best defensive uh, regulars, Lonzo Ball and Alex Russo, being out at least two months. And by the way, like, Yes, there are times when guys have midseason surgery, they come back and they're fine. But there are times when they're not, especially Lonzo Ball. Like, there's no such thing as minor knee surgery. Uh, I see that all the time. Oh, he had a minor knee surgery. Uh, tell it to somebody else who had knee surgery. It was at somebody else's knee. So, um, look, those Caruso makes a massive, massive difference for them. You would look at them and say, no, wait a minute. They have DeMar DeRozan. They have Zach Levine. But Caruso makes a 10-point difference for 100 possessions on defense. And because he's out, and I'm not sure when he's coming back, that makes me scared of, of making any assumptions on the bull. At Windhorse ESPN, Brian, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Take host, care. Host of the Hoop Collective. We'll be back here on The Edge. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Never too early. Prepare for the big game. We want to make sure VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and on championship weekend. You're going to have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to the sixth annual live big game betcast. Biggest game of the year. So make plans now to join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VSIN.com. All right. Uh, we have, man, there's so much to get to. I wish I could spend 20 minutes on what looks like it's going to be a fascinating class action lawsuit from Brian Flores in the National Football League. But we're a sports betting network. We don't waste time on lawsuits or Tom Brady retirements. We've got things to discuss, like sports betting. Let's bring in Greg Peterson, who's nice enough to give us some time. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go. An engaged man, too, by the way. Congratulations, Greg. I haven't talked to you since then, so mazel tov. Thank you. Um, as a fellow married man myself, I would like to say get out right now. Um, congratulations. Anyway, let's talk some college hoops. First off, big news of the day, uh, Kansas and what's happening. Agbaji looks like he's not going to be available. Did not make the trip. Kansas, of course, taking on Iowa State. So two-part question for you. Uh, as you see this line move now, uh, do you think it's a little extreme? Like, at what point do you think there is value coming back on Kansas if the market gets a little too out of hand? Uh, and the other thing is just what have you made of Iowa State? Because they get off to that hot start. They go through that little bit of a swoon here. Took care of business over the weekend of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, they're catching two and a half. I think that Iowa State is now going to be able to win this game outright. I wound up setting this line at two, thinking that Osha Agbaji was going to play in favor of Kansas. Now that Agbaji is out, the line has only moved about two points because this was right around four and a half-ish when I was taking a look, right around 4.30, 5 o'clock a.m., so... Honestly, Obaji only moving the line two. I think it's actually relatively cheap here. I think that Iowa State is actually a relatively tough matchup for Kansas. We wound up seeing this one. They wound up going to the fog. And in the fog, Iowa State winds up losing that game by one point. They did a good job of rallying late. 
And this is a Kansas team that even with Ogbaje in the fold, they were scoring about 16 points for a hundred possession basis less in the month of January rather than they were in November and December. So it's an offense that slowed down. Haven't been able to get a lot out of David McCormick. And for some reason, the Remy Martin at Kansas bit just has not been a good one. And I don't have a lot of faith in that being able to be rectified in this game. So I think that Iowa State, in front of their home fans over there at Hilton, they get the job done in this one. Yeah, and in terms of Kansas, big picture, it's been interesting to see how the market's handled them, right? You know, they get blown out by Kentucky. You know, humans and I were texting about this over the weekend. I was like, is Ty Ty Washington not playing? Because that was five, right, against Kentucky on Saturday. Then you get the Texas Tech game. I was in on that one. They were catching seven, Texas Tech, and that got up to eight, eight and a half. It seems like the market has a really inflated sense of Kansas from a power rating perspective, no? I do agree with you. I think that this was the case in which Kansas got off to an absolutely tremendous start with that defense or that offense that I will say defense has been playing a little bit better for Kansas. They've been able to do a little bit better down low, but you can tell that the backcourt play just has not been there for Kansas. They got off to a really hot start from three point range to begin the year. And since big 12 play really began, because you've got some of the best defenses in all of college basketball in the conference, they've slowed down and, it has led to them being quite overinflated in a lot of these games. I think that this is another spot. And as I mentioned a little bit before, Obaji, I think, is a top five player in all of college basketball. The only make a two point move on this game is actually, for me, a little bit, a little bit cheap. All right, let's go to the SEC. Uh, very big matchup, a potential revenge spot for Alabama. Auburn, a six-point favorite right now with a total of 156.5. Uh, this opened up 7.5 on the overnight and early this morning, and I would completely agree with the line move here. You know, Alabama fought back in that second half the first time around against these two teams, uh, made it pretty close, but ultimately fell short. Would you agree with the market perception here that 7.5, that little too high, 6 maybe seems a little bit fair? I do think that 7.5 was a little bit too high. I wound up saying this line at 6.5 myself, so this began at a spot in which I'd be taking a look at Alabama. Now that you're down to six, though, I think that this is a buy point for Auburn. Auburn is the number one team in college basketball. They've got Walker Kessler, leads all power conference players with four blocks per game. He's been absolutely tremendous for an Auburn team that really has turned over a new leaf because you'll recall in past years, this is an Auburn team that they always really rely upon their backcourt. They always rely upon some good three-point shooting. And Auburn's been fine from three-point range this year, no question about it, but the defense has been tenacious, being able to generate nearly nine steals per game, getting all those blocks. And for Alabama, it's just such a strange team because they've knocked off the two teams that wanted to play for a national championship last year in Baylor, along with Gonzaga. They've got so many great wins on the resume, and yet they lost to a Tom Crean coach, Missouri, Tom Crean coach Georgia team. They lose to Missouri. They lose by double digits against Memphis. So it is the most ultimate Jekyll and Hyde college basketball team that we've seen this year. I think that Alabama is going to be up for the game, but also keep in mind that Auburn went on the road to Tuscaloosa. They were able to get the win in that game by kind of 81 to 77 when these two teams wound up playing a few weeks ago. I think you're going to see something similar. I want to say my line at six half. So here at six, now I think it's a buy point for Auburn. What do you make of the total? Up a point. First time they played, I think it was 81 possessions. You mentioned the final score, 158 points, 156 and a half the total tonight. I set my total at 155 and a half. So I see a little bit of a lean here to the under. It wound up opening up at 155 and a half, but I can understand why it's been moved up because you do have two very up-tempo teams in Alabama and Auburn. They're always going to be in the top 40 when it comes to possessions per game, when it comes to these two coaches, but been very impressed by Auburn, a top 15 team when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis, and a team that they do a great job of being able to defend inside as well, which I think that that is going to be the ultimate undoing here 
for an Alabama team that has gotten in some reinforcements in recent weeks. All right, let's go to a, a Big 12 matchup that's going to have some oomph behind it. Texas and Texas Tech. So uh, Texas Tech, of course, they slip up. We talked about the Kansas game, but it was double overtime, 94-91, to fought tooth and nail. Uh, this team has been covering numbers left and right for the most part, Greg. And you look at them now coming into this matchup with Texas, which at times has been somewhat disappointing. And last time we saw the Longhorns, low scoring, close affair with Tennessee on Saturday. What do you make of this? Because the market is on Texas. This opened up 5.5 or down to 4.5 with a total of 122. I agree with this move. I wound up setting this line at three and a half. I do think that on a neutral court, both of these teams are relatively equal. Texas has not necessarily been able to live up to their billing thus far. That's because they've had so many transfers coming into the program. Marcus Carr, you could tell, was not necessarily the world's greatest fit for Texas. And I'll call it what it is. He's still not necessarily the world's greatest fit for Texas. But around him, you still have guys like a Timmy Allen, Dylan Deese, who wound up beginning the year out of the fold. And then for Texas Tech, got to give them all the credit in the world because Mark Adams, has done a absolutely amazing job of being able to coach up this team. Bryson Williams has been a versatile player at six foot eight, shooting over forty percent from three point range. Even though Kevin McCullough hasn't been scoring much, eight points or fewer in each other the last five games, he always finds a way to be able to put his imprint on the game. Whether that be by getting like three or four assists, getting a couple rebounds, does a nice job there. But when it comes to Texas Tech as well, they are dealing with a couple of ailments as well. If Terrence Shannon does find a playing in this game, you got to figure that he's going to be very limited once again. And it is a Texas team that they still have guys like Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones have been in the program for many, many years. I do think that Texas is going to be able to get it done in what is going to be a highly emotional game. First game for Chris Beard being back in Lubbock, but I think that it's going to be a relatively close one, so I wound up taking the points with Texas. Yeah, definitely the top of the list to watch tonight. All right, last one on the board today before I ask you about something that happened last night, if we have time. Uh, St. John's unranked, but favored at home over Providence, two and a half for the total of 146. What do you see here? I think that St. John's gets revenge on a loss that they wound up taking a few weeks ago. I also take a look at this total. I set it at a 147 myself. I'm looking over because first time these two teams wound up playing, it was 83-73, to 73, and both of these teams shot sub-25% from three-point range. So even though these teams were as cold as ice from distance, you were able to get that total over. St. John's just does such a great job of being able to get their tempo in so many of these games. They rank at the top 35 in terms of possessions per game. Providence is a little bit of a slower team, but they've shown very much a willingness to run when you do wind up cranking up the tempo on them. You've got a St. John's team that they themselves have gotten more out of Aaron Wheeler, a guy that's put up double figures in four out of the last five games for this team. Julian Petty, Pasha Alexander, they forced 4.3 steals per game. I think that that's going to be a little bit tough for a Providence team that is getting back to A.J. Reeves. But at the same time, Providence, they've been a little bit charmed this year, and you've got to figure that that luck is going to be running out at some point. I think that St. John's is the right side in this one. All right, last night, uh, humans and myself, uh, we were sweating out Wyoming, taking on Colorado State. And in the, pre, in the non-conference, I was talking to humans. I was like, you know, look out for this Wyoming team. They, they have a pretty good core. We know how good they've been. It's a young core that they have built up over the last few years. They get one of their best wins of the season over Colorado State. Big picture here for Wyoming. What do you make of this team? Because uh, they're quietly putting together, I think, uh, an at-large bid here, Greg, in terms of what they've been able to do. And they get a big one coming back Thursday against Boise State. I was right there with you on Wyoming, and I think that there's a chance that we could wind up seeing a four-bid Mountain West. Right? Colorado State certainly did a good job out of conference, but you talk, you talk about this Wyoming team, the guy that wound up knocking down that three-pointer late, Drake Jeffries, he shoots over 45% from three-point range, and in a year in which we've seen some very bad point guard play, Hunter Maldonado has been very much a bright sign for this team, a guy that stands right around six foot six, 
does it all for them. I really like this Wyoming team myself. It's going to be interesting to see how they wind up following it up, but Wyoming won the most efficient offenses in all of college basketball. I'm bullish on them. Yeah, um, Maldonado, long-time Cowboy. Been there since 2018, so he's been uh, there for the ups and the downs. It's been a pretty good run here uh, for Wyoming. Greg, we are up against it, but appreciate you taking a little bit more time to join us. Uh, go get some sleep, bud. Always appreciate it, John. Thank you. You got it. At GUnit underscore 81 up on Twitter. Yeah, awesome game. Awesome game yesterday uh, between Wyoming and Colorado State. Uh, Texan Matt, and I was like, dude, this BS is going to fall on one, isn't it? Because they were down the street. Oh, it was a good game, though, and good win for Wyoming. Yeah, speaking of, recap best bets. Uh, take a look back on the game, the day that was, and we'll take a look at the day that will be in the association before we get to a little bit more on the card. It's the Edge. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com find, locate a store near you that zyn.com slash find warning product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical not an addictive chemical uh having to sweat out multiple overtime games which was last night three bets last night uh luckily all three cash but a total of four overtimes that i had to watch yesterday not really the best uh in terms of the heart rate uh but let's discuss this uh, so nba for today and yesterday how about this man so the grizzlies yesterday as we discussed and we wrote about in the article throughout the morning plus three and a half joel Embiid, one of the injury reports late in the afternoon uh, gets ruled out due to rest that flips grizzlies closes two and a half three point favorite you need every point of that three and a half if you got it early in the morning with the Memphis Grizzlies, who actually end up losing by three on a ridiculous fast-break play uh, at the waning seconds against the Philadelphia 76ers that score at the gun to win by three points there. So the Grizzlies, at plus three and a half, get the win, but as a favorite on the road against a Joel Embiidless Philadelphia 76ers, lose outright. 
Tuesday today, heat catching three. Uh, as we wrote about in the column, again, vcin.com slash JVT zero pretty early, and we talked about this on Follow the Money this morning too. This was a little gamble this morning on the thought that Jimmy Butler was going to play tonight. Uh, Butler, of course, rested yesterday, had toe irritation, didn't seem like it was anything serious. If you read the quotes coming out of Miami, uh, Spolstra had a pretty solid quote in terms of just uh, strategically resting guys. So when you see that word, you kind of figure that Butler was going to be available. And sure enough, got it opened up three, but now down to one and a half with the fact that Butler is going to be out there. But we talked about it earlier. From a situational standpoint, these two teams are in very similar situations for the most part, right? Third game in four nights. They played each other on the weekend. I think it was Saturday, right? And um, they played a triple overtime game. Really taxing on both teams. Difference is best player in the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler got a rest last night, will be available here today. The starters, only an eight-man rotation for the uh, Toronto Raptors, had to play 55-plus minutes in that triple overtime game, 39-plus minutes last night, now coming back and playing here again. Again, not a deep rotation, so I just think situationally it serves the Miami Heat a little bit better here, and you get the best of the numbers. So with that, Heat plus three, they only play four tonight. In the association. Oh, and by the way, I'm working on something. Since football season is over, Santos, we're going to have to do the numbers. I'm diving into one of these things where, like, I have an idea. And so I'm going to do, like, a lot of research. And hopefully it actually pans out that my idea is actually something worth looking into. Because I don't know if you've ever had one of those, like, I think this. And then you get 30, 45, an hour into it. And you're like, oh, wait, no. This is totally a waste of time. So hopefully that's not the case. Uh, it involves the New York Knicks. So I'll just give you that. Uh, with that, let's move on from there. College basketball, two wins from last night. Penn State plus five against Iowa. Uh, they outlast them in double overtime. A ridiculous tip into the end of regulation. So, of course, that had to go to overtime. Then it gets tied. It goes to double overtime. Penn State eventually gets to win outright uh, as a five-point underdog. And we talk Talked about it with Greg Wyoming catching one, as you even said, a stinky line. Yeah, I thought Wyoming should have been favored in that game. Ultimately, get that win over Colorado State in overtime, and probably should have won it in regulation. I think they had a seven-point lead, if I remember correctly, a six-point lead. Excuse me, with about three minutes left to go, completely blew it, and then forced uh, an extra period, but ultimately got it done there for humans. Uh, of course, Penn State plus five versus Iowa. He brought that up yesterday. We're both on the same play there. So that gets the win for him. And today, as he discussed on Follow the Money, the two good numbers here, Iowa State catching four and a half against Kansas. That one's down to two and a half, as, of course, Ochai Obagji is not going to play for the Kansas Jayhawks. He has COVID, did not make the trip. And then Alabama plus seven. It was going to be a really interesting game. A, a little bit of a revenge spot here for Alabama. Back and forth affair on their home court. Last time out against Auburn. Ultimately lose a high-scoring one, 81 to 77. You do wonder... Uh, what that's like, over 80 possessions in that game between the two of them. And these are two really fast teams. But in a college game, can you replicate that? Total is up to 156.5 today. Uh, Matt's bets, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, almost had it. Almost had it over the weekend in San Diego. Will Zalatoris uh, with a putt on the final hole that ultimately goes awry. And then he loses to Luke List in the playoff. Which, by the way, Luke List, I only know this because I was involved. One and one in playoffs, right, in his career. He lost to Justin Thomas at the Honda Classic. I only know that because I had Justin Thomas in that. That was actually one of the that was the first full tournament bet I've ever won. How about that? A little bit of knowledge that's useless for you. You can never use it. All right, Pebble Beach Pro Am for Matt. Maverick McNeely, 28 to 1. Cameron Tringali, 31 to 1. Kevin Streelman at 50 to 1. He was going to use Will Zalatoris, but Zalatoris uh, comes down with COVID. What a week, huh? It looks like you're going to win a tournament. You don't. You lose in a playoff, and then you come down with COVID. Shaz Reeve, 100 to 1, is the replacement there for Matt in terms of his four plays. Already two futures won for Matt, though, so far this year. So sometimes, look, if you go through a full golf season, you get one, depending on what you get it at. It's a good one. So if you already have two in the pocket, off to a good start this golf season for one Matt Humans. Um, with that, you know, I'll just expand because we'll have the numbers on it tomorrow. 
So the idea that I had behind the New York Knicks uh, is uh, Knicks in terms of the first quarter. So they covered their first quarter against the Sacramento Kings last night, right? But it improved them to 20-30-1 on the season uh, in terms of first quarter ATS record. And it kind of got me thinking because one of the stories behind the New York Knicks this season has been this first quarter matchup, right? Uh, or excuse me, this, uh, this starting lineup that they have. And starting lineup for those, and I've brought this up a couple of times, wrote about it, uh, the sixth most used lineup in the NBA that Tom Thibodeau throws out there, but a negative 12.3, 12.4. It's been adjusted here a little bit since this game over the Knicks, or excuse me, against the Kings, but an atrocious net rating, put it that way. So one of the most oft-used lineups in the NBA, but one of the worst lineups in the NBA, and Thibodeau continues to throw it out there on a regular basis. So the theory was, well, they're a pretty bad first-quarter team ATS already, what is the record ATS when he starts those five out there? So I'm going to go through the numbers and see exactly what they are. Uh, Joe Osborne over at Oddshark was nice enough to send me every single closing first quarter spread uh, for the New York Knicks. So my night will consist of going through every single game log and seeing when they started those five and then correlating it with the ATS result and see if we got something there. Uh, but that's going to be something to monitor as the Knicks got the win yesterday, 116 to 96. To upgrade uh, to update some of the news uh, in the association as well for any of you out there who missed the open or haven't been paying attention to the injury notes and news out there uh, for the most part. The big one is that Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, or well, I guess it's not and the Golden State Warriors, no Curry tonight for the Golden State Warriors. He is going to take a rest as is Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins out of Porter Jr. out too. So we've seen a pretty big flip here. Overnight was Golden State Warriors minus three and a half. We are up to San Antonio minus five in favor uh, at home with the total. Uh, let's see. I think I got the total uh, down to about what do we got? 219 and a half? Yeah, right there. 219 and a half. And so Spurs at a good spot. They've been very inconsistent defensively throughout the month of January. 114.9 points per 100 possessions. 22nd defensive rating in the league over that span. So the Warriors pretty shorthanded on the offensive end of the floor. You would think that San Antonio would be in a pretty good spot here, but if you're going to play that level of defense, it's going to be a problem. And last but not least, uh, arguably the best game on the board tonight. Nothing yet in terms of a play, but the Brooklyn Nets at the Phoenix Suns. Suns open up on the overnight a seven-point favorite with a total of 225.5. The question here was whether or not James Harden was going to play tonight. Uh, it looks like it is leading in that direction. Suns now 5.5 with a total of 230. So this is something to monitor because – the Nets, from a power rating perspective, the lowest they have been, right? They haven't been performing very well, haven't been covering numbers. This Kyrie can play, Kyrie can't play kind of deal, not working out. We know that Kevin Durant hasn't been available. But if Harden is going to be out there, this is still a really dynamic force offensively. Some of the numbers behind it, when you have a starting backcourt of James Harden and Kyrie Irving without Kevin Durant, that's the key factor too, right? Averaging 124.7 points per 100 possessions on offense, Brooklyn is, with those two as their starting backcourt. You throw Patty Mills into the situation, their net rating is plus 8.7, which is one of the best in the NBA. And remember, while Phoenix is playing incredible basketball, they've won 10 straight, they're 13-1 in their last 14 games. Uh, that was their month in the record of January, or excuse me, their record in the month of January. Brooklyn, with Irving and Harden, probably severely underrated, and especially when you're looking at a Phoenix Suns team that's not going to have Jay Crowder or DeAndre Ayton at home here tonight. So, it, you the reason why the markets moved to this direction, the Suns have been pretty good, but also keep in mind when you're as high in terms of your power rating as the Phoenix Suns are, uh, then, of course, at points, you're going to be a little overvalued, and you saw it a couple of times, laying double digits against the San Antonio Spurs, winning that game by five, so on and so forth. Might be a time to kind of sell high on the Phoenix Suns. And the last one on the board, which we didn't get to because I don't think a lot of people really care, although the basketball nerd in me totally does, and I know Patrick Maher does because he's a Pistons fan, and he texts me about Kate Cunningham every once in a while. 
and I text him about Sadiq Bay because Sadiq Bay is freaking awesome. Uh, Pelicans and Pistons. Pistons open up two on the overnight with a total of 215 and a half. Not surprising that we're just sitting at two and 216 and a half because I don't really think anybody cares that much about this game. Uh, but Pelicans, for me, important factor here is whether or not you're going to get one Brandon Ingram on the floor. Ingram, of course, has uh, been out for quite a while. But here's something to keep an eye on here. Because I think when you look at this, people are going to say, hey, Ingram, he's maybe not going to play. Pelicans offensively have been really bad lately. But if Jonas Valanciunas is out there, this is a team in Detroit that relies on dribble penetration, relies on attacking within four feet of the basket. And Jonas Valanciunas is a massive deterrent in that regard. And this is a matchup of the fourth best rebounding team in the NBA in the New Orleans Pelicans against the 30th ranked rebounding team in the Detroit Pistons. And Jonas Valanciunas is a massive part of that. So we'll see if... Um, We'll see if the Pistons can overcome their weaknesses on the glass and maybe cover as a two-point favorite. But uh, I wouldn't be rushing to add the Pistons to a parlay or anything like that if no uh, Brandon Ingram is on the floor tonight. All right, we are all done. Tomorrow, Humans is back. Just filled in and follow Monday for the day. VEASAN.com slash podcast. You want to find out any part of this show that you missed out on. Brian Windhorse was awesome today, so go check that out, uh, as well as all the other free VEASAN podcasts that we have. My Guys in the Desert, coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.